guilty of inflicting trauma on many a child and fits of laughter on many an adult, the humble Jack in the box. In the early 1500s, the first Jack in the box um, was made by a German clockmaker known as Klaus. Klaus built a wooden box with metal edges and a handle that would pop up with an animated devil or jack after cranking the handle. Obviously designed to scare the hell out of kids, both literally and figuratively. How, how do you go dealing with the unexpected? And have you ever been surprised by hope? Let me pray. Jesus, as we take some time on this Resurrection Sunday, to delve into your word once again. Holy Spirit, would you brood amongst us? Would you move around and in us and be at work in this space? Would you speak to us, Spirit, deep to deep, that you might shape and transform us and renew in us an understanding of your love? Amen. I'll be interested in just a moment to hear some stories from you about surprise parties or other things that people have done to surprise you. So have a think. When has someone surprised you? Possibly a good one, maybe not a good one. Um, and for those at home as well, there'll be an opportunity uh, for you to contribute as well. When I was pastoring in Brisbane... Um, as an associate pastor there, I was involved in having two American students come to our church for their summer break. We had Bethany and Kendra stay with us for a few weeks. Now, a year or so earlier, I was given a large toy spider that hung from the lounge room ceiling fan. And with the sound of a loud noise, it would drop down suddenly and then with its legs wiggling, climb back up the string. So there I was, standing in the lounge room with Kendra and Bethany sitting on the lounge just in front of me. And I'm talking away with them quietly, and then I clap. And down in front of them drops this spider, jiggling and wiggling all over the place. I thought it was hilarious. But Bethany screams and then starts sobbing uncontrollably into Kendra's lap, hiding her face in a pillow. What I didn't know at the time was that Bethany was an arachnophobe and was terrified of even the tiniest of spiders. On one occasion, she saw a tiny, tiny spider just moving across the back of my chair in the car that we were driving. And I had to pull over, she jumped out, and we had to find the spider, kill it, before she would go back in the car again. So for poor Bethany, coming to a strange country where there is the world's deadliest creatures in abundance, and having this giant spider drop from the ceiling totally freaked her out. And boy, did I feel bad. And they made sure I never lived that down. And you'll be glad to know that whilst I still am a bit of a jokester at times, um, that spider 
has ended up in really bin heaven. So what about you? Is there a time that someone has given you a surprise party or something that has taken you by surprise? Interested in hearing your thoughts on that or your experiences? I'll race around with the microphone if you just want to pop up your hand or for those at home as well, if you just want to pop up your hand and we'll try and make sure we unmute you um, and you can contribute to the conversation as well. But a time that someone has surprised you, a good surprise or maybe, if you hang around with me, a bad surprise, but, okay, Forrest. Um, a few years ago, for my, actually, probably just last year, for my 40th. Yeah, know, just last year. Plus GST. Yeah. Many years ago, um, my church back then had given me a 40th birthday. Unfortunately, through the years, I never got to celebrate a 18th or a 21st or had these major. And so they blessed me and surprised me with a 40th. It wow. was one of the most wonderful things in my life. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Isn't that nice when, when people know that there's something special and they want to do that for you and that, that opportunity that it creates just to show how much they love you in that space. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, others, surprise? Yep. Colleen? Um, I'd been in New Zealand for 11 years, <clears throat> back in my 20s, and um, <clears throat> when I came back to Adelaide, um, one of my friends invited me to their place uh, for tea, uh, just to say hello to back, that I was back. And as I was walking down, um, they had a steep driveway, uh, I saw another couple come and I thought, oh no, what am I going to do now? You know, I'll be so embarrassed that, that they've made a mistake and asked them to come as well. And uh, when I got there, it was a surprise party for my return. Oh, wow. Isn't that nice? Yep. Fantastic. Um, others, uh, just check at home. Anyone at home? Just have, I'll come back to you at home. We've got another one in the auditorium. Now, no dobbing in on Matt. No. <laughs> um, myself and Dean and four children were called as missionaries to Hong Kong. So we mm -hmm. got on the plane with a suitcase each, had no idea where we are going to live, picked up by um, our YWAM leader, and we found that God had given us a four-bedroom, three-bathroom, two living areas in a government building. Wow. That was an amazing surprise. The kids were crying all the way, where we're going to live, yep. et cetera, and we lived there for three years. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Just God's provision, um, something really special. Yep. Uh, anyone else? Yep. Thanks, Amy. Mine was a scary one. When I was about six years old, we were living in Mexico, and Mum was bitten by a... Um, a uh, scorpion, and it was the what's a white scorpion? Uh, what's a uh, uh, a dangerous white scorpion? Because yep. normally they're black. So I yep. What? Albino, an albino oh, one. Oh, sorry. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I was told to stay away from it, but because they had to take mom to the hospital, they had to put the they had to catch the scorpion and put it in a little jar. Yep. I was told not to touch it, but because you. The minute you tell me not to do something, I'll do the opposite. <laughs> so I grabbed the, the, um, the little jar and kept it until Monday came along. So show and tell was on, and the teacher, the Mexican teacher, came up 
and said, Amy, it's your turn. And I was so proud of myself because I knew I wasn't allowed to have it. Showed it to my teacher. And like your story, I had no idea that my teacher was petrified of scorpions. Oh, no. So she ran out of the room crying. My mom was a teacher in the school. She came back, and I came home crying. <laughs> <laughs> share the love, share the pain. Yep. All right. And anyone at home, a, a story where you've been surprised? No. They're, they're all thinking deep in thought. Got time for one more in the auditorium before we wrap up. Okay, that's fine. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to take some time um, to talk about the, the women who had the surprise of their life. They were so freaked out by what happened. It took them some time to come to terms with what was taking place. So turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Mark... Um, Mark's Gospel, and the last chapter, chapter 16. To help set the picture, um, there's a couple of things that we need to remember. Jesus' burial was rushed. With evening swiftly approaching on the Friday night, marking the beginning of the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea laid Jesus' body in a tomb, in a new tomb. But the women didn't have time to assist in the burial preparations of Jesus' body. So over Friday night and Saturday, they patiently waited to honour Jesus. They patiently waited to anoint his body with spices and oils. So in verse 1 of chapter 16 begins on the Saturday evening around dusk. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On their way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from uh, the entrance to the tomb? As they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large. It had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robe, in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked by the angel, uh, but the angel said, uh, "Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter." that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Jesus had on several occasions predicted not only his death, but also his rising from the dead. Not a resuscitation back to life, the life that he had before he died, but by entering through death into a brand new life, leading the way for all who follow him. Eight times in Mark's account, Jesus refers to his death, and five times he refers to his resurrection. And the last occasion of this was only four days earlier, on the Thursday evening around our time, um, as recorded in Mark 
14.28. Yet for these women, Mary, Salome and Mary, each expected, they went to the tomb expecting that Jesus' body would still be there in the tomb. As far as they were concerned, Jesus' body would be exactly where they had seen him hurriedly laid on the Friday at dusk. The shock of Friday's events turned their world upside down. Shock at the horrific scenes of what they'd experienced and seen of Jesus on that Friday would have been so traumatic for them, to say the least. People suffering from this sort of shock can experience it for days, weeks, months. Walking around in a daze, unresponsive, as emotions are overloaded. An autopilot almost seems to get switched on. And the Sabbath was probably just more about going through the motions and just getting through. They could have become snappy at well-meaning people commenting and trying to bring words of reassurance. An overwhelming sense of grief and loss saturated their world, blinding their eyes to what was happening around them. Night and the thought of sleep brought with it no comfort whatsoever. Instead of staring into the black void, images would have been replayed repetitively in their minds of what they'd seen on the Friday. What got these women through the endless night was to be able to focus firmly on the desire to honour Jesus, the one that they loved. After purchasing the spices and the ointment and the practicalities of another night's barrier before they could get to Jesus' corpse only increased their frustrations. Unsurprisingly, the pain of a second night's lack of sleep was only marginally reduced by the early departure into the darkness as they left for the burial chamber. They probably left maybe around 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning to make their way to the tomb. Along with their spices, the women carried a steely determination to finally get to Jesus' body. Two nights were two nights too long. Now nothing was going to get in their way. Yet even for these three women, the stone in front of the grave's entrance was a barrier that they had not yet resolved. Verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. Anyone would struggle to communicate the thoughts and emotions that these women were feeling. The trauma of Friday is replaced by the shocking surprise of a young man waiting there for them. He had not chanced upon the tomb, but was there with intention and the good news of hope. He is not here. Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, is not here. He hasn't been moved. His body has not been stolen by man or wild beast. He was not resuscitated through CPR or a defibrillator or a surge of adrenaline. 
He was 100% dead. But now, this same Jesus is 100% alive. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Information. Any information at this point takes a while to sink in, doesn't it? He's gone. Jesus is gone. He's he's alive. Verse 8 tells us about that. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. They said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. How do you deal with surprises? Have you ever been so caught up in something that you fail to see the signs of it, that there was more that was going on around you than what you realised? Mary and I had been married for three months when she threw a surprise 21st birthday party for me. I'm the shy, retiring one hiding behind the banner at the front. In the days, if you're wondering where Mary is, Mary's on the um, right-hand side, yeah, on our right-hand side, side with the long, um, long hair and the white top. Uh, in the days leading up to my birthday, I was happily minding my own business. The cars um, that started to unexpectedly start rolling up and I'm thinking, hang on, what's going on here? In hindsight, there were signs that I should have realised were there, that there was something going on. But I wasn't paying attention to that. But what of us today? We can so easily get lost in the, in the Fridays of life. And there are so many Fridays of life. When things don't go according to plan. When our world gets turned upside down. When we sit opposite a GP or a specialist and they give us the news that we have been dreading. Fridays come thick and fast and they can suck the life out of us and we can struggle to cope. But Sunday, Sunday is different. For the women, they are surprised and it takes them time to get their heads around it. It doesn't make sense. How could it ever make sense? It defies everything that they knew, even though the signs had been there before. The promise was already given. The women were surprised by hope. And the reality is that when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, every Friday no longer sits in isolation. We will still have Fridays when our world's are turned upside down when we think that all is lost. But, but in Jesus, there is Sunday. There is hope. And it can surprise us, but it can also surprise others as well. When we experience a personal dynamic relationship with Jesus, our Fridays are transformed by the promise of Sunday that nothing, not even death, can stop hope.
And when we live with an understanding of the truths of Sunday, it transforms our Fridays. It's not about faking it until you make it, but in a deep, abiding, faith-filled relationship with Jesus, we live in the knowledge that Fridays will become Sundays again. The way that we look through Friday to Sunday with hope can also surprise others as well. They wonder why and how could we respond in our Fridays with hope. Peter, the same Peter that the angel referred to. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3.15, And if someone asks about the Christian hope that you have, always be ready to explain it. And it's because of our faith in Jesus, who is risen, that nothing, not even death, can stop our Saviour. And that's why we can place our trust in him. And that's why we can live in hope that our Fridays, when our worlds seem turned upside down, will become Sundays where we will experience the risen Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that that even in the midst of the Fridays that come thick and fast, that the Fridays when we feel as though we're, we're gasping for air, that just don't make sense. That even in those Fridays, because of what happened on that very first Easter, because of your resurrection, because of you overcoming death and the grave, we now, can live in hope. We can live in hope that our Fridays will become Sundays. Not just now, but Sundays for all eternity. Help us to live in that hope in you. Amen. So how might we respond today? And I wonder what's going on in your situation. Well, there's a couple of things that I'd encourage you to reflect on. And you might want to pull out those response cards or for those at home to uh, use the chat function or for those uh, listening to the recording, then you can always contact us as well. But where are you experiencing a Friday time or season in your life at the moment? It doesn't have to be the whole of life, but there can just be some part of life that can be just that Friday part where things just aren't going well. Is there something on Friday that you're hanging on to that is preventing you from receiving the hope of Sunday? You know, sometimes when we're caught up in grief and loss or in in the turmoil of life, we can hang on to it. And that can be our security blanket rather than letting go of it and taking hold of what Jesus has offered us. And how may Resurrection Sunday transform your Friday with renewed hope. There's going to be some music played, and as the music's played, I encourage you to use those response cards and respond to the things that God might be saying to you today. After that, we'll have an opportunity to uh, stand and sing as our offering, and those response cards are collected.
God bless you.